The views and opinions on this show do not necessarily reflect the views of ESPN Tucson 1490 and 104.9 FM or the Arizona Lotus Corporation. Got car trouble? Now's the time to talk with Jerry on the Simmons Car Care Shop Talk Show. Call in now at 719-1490. Well, if you're one of the millions who own one of them gas-drinking, piston clanking, air-polluting, smoke-belching, four-wheeled buggies from Detroit City, then pay attention. I'm about to sing your song, son. Southern Arizona and everybody out there in cyberspace, welcome to the Simmons Car Care Talk Show here on uh, ESPNTucson.com, 1490 on your AM dial, 14.9 on the FM dial. I'm Jim Mooney, I'm the host today. Jerry Simmons is on hiatus, enjoying a little time off. Remember folks, I'm on the radio today, so that's a super safe Saturday. That What does that mean? That means move over and slow down. Put your phones down. No texting and driving. No drinking and driving. In fact, up on the road signs on the on the I-10 says a DUI is no trick or treat. And trust me, folks, it is not a trick or treat. Uh, with me this morning, I have my co-host today, uh, Michael Cleveland of Cleveland Consulting. Thank you, Michael, for being here. I, I'm really excited to be here. It's it's a pretty unique experience. Uh, I appreciate you uh, having me here. Uh, I look forward to the entertaining conversation, and uh, <laughs> hopefully we'll enlighten some folks this morning about uh, not only uh, automotive care, but also some of the, the the fun things that you and I get to talk about on a daily basis working together. So I look forward to it. Oh, perfect. I'm glad you're here. Glad you're here. Because since this is my first time doing this, folks, there might be some uhs and some oomphs, but uh, feel free to call in, 719-520-719-1490. 520-719-1490. It's uh, open phone lines. We'll talk about pretty much anything here today. Uh, knowledge base is pretty decent, so go ahead and give us a give us a shout if you got some uh, questions, comments, concerns. You want to talk about cars? You want to talk about parking? You want to talk about anything in particular, automotive, or whatever's on your whatever's on your mind today? So how are you doing this morning, Michael? I, I'm great. You know, I, as I drove in. Driving across this amazing city that we get to live in, uh, it was beautiful, and not a car within a few miles. Not a car. So it was really nice. You know, we, you you talked about uh, a couple topics that uh, I'd like to delve into. Uh, this weekend's homecoming weekend. Homecoming weekend. Homecoming U of A weekend for the U of A. U You're a U of A alumni. U of A, USA. Yes, and, I'm, and, I'm a U of A alumni. And I have a daughter who now attends the U of A. Oh, congratulations! And so uh, we talked about uh, the craziness that's happening right now downtown. As well as on the campus, the crazy, the crazy people. <laughs> it's uh, the the camp. The U of A campus is inundated with a bunch of family members, parents, people from all over wanting to experience homecoming with USC. 
you know, go Wildcats. Hope hopefully they they show put USC in their place. I think with last time I checked, I think it was only like a uh, 14, 14 point spread. Fourteen point spread. Right. I remember when when Larry Smith went to USC. So when I went to the U of A, Larry Smith was the U of A head coach, and he went to the USC. So let's, we need to put him in their place. Well, uh, if if anybody can do it, the U of A can do it. Well, there you go. That's what we're hoping for. And so you, you talked about uh, how uh, the traffic traffic and parking and we delved a little bit into this as we we're preparing for for this weekend i would imagine that the campus looks a lot different uh, than when you attended the campus is completely different with the exception of old main is still old main old main is still old main. but yeah. when i went to the u of a you could actually drive on the mall what you could actually you could actually <laughs> drive up and down the mall yeah. and parking and buildings that exist now were parking lots so today struggling to find parking easy parking or I should say parking that you won't get towed from, um, and particularly if you're a student out there this morning, wake up, uh, move your car because it's going to get towed by the parking police. Yeah. Uh, so you don't want that to happen, folks. Uh, but yeah, finding ch- challenging parking, driving around, um, you're going to be in, you're going to be inundated with people that are new to the area or maybe not new but haven't been here in a while. So their their familiarization with the U of A might be not what they think because they remember it one way and now it's something different. They're going to be looking at their phones. They're going to have a bunch of people in the background. They're going to be very distracted. And as we drive around, is as just passers-by driving up and down Speedway or driving up and down 6th Street, we need to be very aware that those people can be hazards on the road. So the distractive driving and or just dumb driving, you know, they might they might turn make a U-turn right in front of you. They might get right over in front of you without without a turn signal, without warning. So you want to be very very cautious of that. That's why it's Super Safe Saturday. So I, I would imagine that you're saying that uh, take some time, probably leave a few minutes earlier than than what you might. Also, uh, there's a number of different projects going on around the OVA campus. The campus is expanding. There's a lot of work going on. Tons of construction. You're Um, right. And and if you're not that familiar and you're coming back after years and years of being away from university, the campus is amazing. It's beautiful. Uh, We're going through the the fall change in the weather and then also in the plants. And and so we we do remind you that uh, take your time. uh, Be patient. Uh, we do have a, a number of visitors who are in town who are sometimes going to seem like they ha- kind of have it together, but we, you and I both know in doing what we do, they, they don't. <laughs> they don't. And, uh, and you know, you, you bring up a great point. The U of A has a lot of resources. There's a lot. I mean, there's a lot to do at the university that's just not football or students. There's a lot of a lot of events that occur there on a daily basis. So people, as people interact with the university itself, and you're talking about the homecoming game, you know, what is it, 50,000 people? 54,000. 54,000 people. A possibility of 54,000 people. Okay, a possibility of 54,000 people. That's probably, you know, 25,000 cars. At least. At least. So they have alternative parking programs, transportation. There's the tram, Sunlink. There's the Uber, although that might be challenging today. Um, There's, you know, off-site parking. There's, uh, and by the way, the Sunlink is still free. The SunTram buses are still free. Whether the, you want to take them or not, it can be pretty much convenient to keep you from getting into that, you know, that fender bender that's gonna that will completely ruin your your gaming experience. Correct. Because there's nothing that's that's worse than any even just a, a small a small fender bender is gonna tie you up. You're gonna you're not gonna be able to get where you want to be because the sense of urgency that you have to actually be there at a given time is really paramount. Uh, you know, Eddie, 
my, that's my daughter, my oldest daughter, who now is attending university. That uh, you know, she she gets up early in the morning. She has, she's grown up in a family in the automotive industry, so we always talk about uh, some of the things that she can do to take uh, to be safe. You know, take her time. You know, take uh, take some of the. Uh, suggestions that I've offered her, but also some of the suggestions that she's listened to on the show uh, with, in consideration when it comes to distracted driving. And because we all know that there are so many things happening in a vehicle today, you know, I think I made the comment to you the other night that uh, it's like driving a computer. That's that's Brian Fuller's uh, uh, that's Brian Fuller's uh, uh, assessment. Yes, we're driving a car with multiple computers, not just one. There's right. more than probably five or six at least on each car today with with what self capabilities, Wi-Fi hotspots. You know, you got the maps going on. I remember when I went to the U of A. You know, it was the book map. The book map. <laughs> the book yeah. map. You know, numbers and letters. Numbers and letters. Yes. So, so of course, it was easier because there was uh, there was just you know there wasn't that many. It was it wasn't as expanded to the level it is today. But so there's a lot of a lot of places, a lot of streets that dead end. There's a lot of roads that don't go anywhere. That's going to put you one way roads that are put you in a in a situation where you're that you're not familiar with. And even I, when I go to the U of A, you know, have to really really pay attention to the direction I'm driving to make sure that I I'm going to the right place because we do do business on the U of A, picking up uh, cars, vehicles, equipment, things like that. So even when I go there, and we're not, and I'm not going on a day that's um, the homecoming day, where twenty five thousand extra cars are going to be at the stadium. So, Correct. so how, how does your daughter deal with the with the, all that? Uh, she's she's a very interesting kiddo. You know, she she's the one that I don't really worry about. She started driving probably when she was fifteen, fifteen and a half. I think we we had her go to a driving school, and so she was pretty comfortable. I, I remember the first time she said, "Hey, Dad, I'm driving to Casa Grande," and she did it by herself. And I'm thinking to myself. Okay, waiting for that phone call, waiting for that phone call, waiting for that phone call. It never happened. Um, and then she would tell me about her experience of driving around with the people around her. You know, an I-10 is a monster. Uh, I, can, I can only imagine what it was like for her as a 16-year-old kid making that first trip by herself. And, you know, you talk about distracted driving. But now we introduce tractor trailers. We introduce uh, emergency vehicles. We introduce uh, angry drivers. Uh, and uh, Vehicles that broke down on the side of the road. Vehicles we talk about moving over. But uh, she's done pretty good. You know, we've only, knock on wood, had one fender bender, and her first fender bender was, was so minor in comparison to some of the things that could have happened. But she's a smart driver. She takes her time. She's patient. She understands the importance of putting that cell phone down. I always get frustrated with her because she sometimes will call me and say, hey, Dad, I'm on the way home. I'm saying, okay, that's awesome, baby. Just put the phone down and get home safe. We always talk about, hey, the most important thing is just get home safe. Get yeah. to that point. Uh, at point A to point B, get there safe, and we talked a little bit about that last night. <laughs> getting home safe—that that is the trick, you know. You want to make sure that you do that. And people don't—we take for granted getting home safe. We don't understand what really comes into play, you know. We just assume that that when we get up, we're going to go home, and everything's going to be exactly the way we left it. And if and if you're doing something dumb, drinking, texting, it, it can be, you know, just not paying attention, and and you have a crash. And you don't go home, or you're delayed at going home. Your whole world is a, is a totally different situation. So, I, I I see a lot being on the road. I see a lot of crashes. Um, I've been to lots of wrecks in my career. Uh, I've done this for over 30 years, and I can tell you that uh, a, a simple fender bender or a simple a simple incident that delays or or prohibits you from getting to your home 
uh, is a, it can be a very catastrophic event. And I, and I get to see it from the angle of people, um, the aftermath. So if somebody, if there's a catastrophic event and they, you know, the dust starts to settle and now they're dealing with the aftermath, you know, the vehicle, the, the wrecked vehicle, the insurance company, the police reports, um, you know, picking up the pieces, I, I get to see a lot of that. And there's, it's, there's a tremendous amount of, of anguish that goes in with it simply because somebody did something dumb. And that's why I tell people, you know, put your phone down. Put your phone down. <laughs> so, so, so uh, I thought it'd be interesting today. Uh, you invited me onto the show as kind of a, a lay person, a person who maybe isn't as strong in the, uh, 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 turning the wrenches under the hood. You know, we talked a little bit about this last night in our preparation. But uh, I had a couple of questions. I'm going to put you on the spot. You, you mentioned earlier to, to our, our listeners out there in cyberspace and to the radio world that uh, it's your first time. Uh, doing the show alone. So so what I figured I'd do is uh, make it easy for you. I prepared a few questions as if a, if a group of my friends got together and said, hey, you're going to be on the show talking to an expert, uh, a subject, subject matter expert. And, and so I put a couple of a few questions together maybe to help us get through the show, if that's okay. With perfect. You. Perfect. That would be great. So, so my first question is, is the towing industry, are they considered first responders? So are tow, are tow guys first responders? So if you... If you mean, can't we put on red and blue lights and do nine, Mach 9? No, okay. that's not us. We're not allowed to do that. Do we respond to scenes where first responders are? Yes. Do we take all the training that first responders do? Yes. We're required um, by that when we do contracts with police and uh, highway patrol, we're required to do what's called uh, traffic incident management training. So we, are, we, go, we go and interface with a law enforcement, fire, ADOT, um, other people that um, that might may or may not be on a scene, um, and the reason why we do this is because um, in my career, I I can tell you that not every interaction with another agency was a positive one, and not just for me. I've watched fire and police duke it out on the side of the road. You know, I've watched. I've been in, in adversarial relationships with with people that are working because we don't know what he, the other person's doing. We don't know what the other what the job of the other person is. So, the um, the traffic incident management program had established rules and procedures so that when we all are on the same page, we all understand what's going to take place. We know what we know what our role is. We allow everybody to work their expertise. For example, the the EMT is the expert at at getting the patient out of you know on the uh, secured and and stable into the hospital and the fireman fire guys are experts at you know um, securing the scene and, and picking up getting the the uh, any fire uh, situations under control um, as well as assisting the EMTs getting the uh, uh, removing the person from the car police are, are fantastic at uh, securing a scene um, c c traffic control making sure that somebody doesn't come plowing through our scene directing traffic away so that another traffic incident doesn't occur because they're, they're very concerned about you know when a wreck occurs or a crash when a crash occurs um, that another incident doesn't occur behind it because that just creates another problem so if and the statistic is that if an incident occurs for example on the freeway in 37 minutes of backup, another incident's going to occur. So they're very, very conscientious of this. So they, what happened was they developed this program that in, that invites the towers as well as firemen, ADOT, um, and police to show 
show up and we all we all integrate and then we get a working relationship with each other so when we approach a scene we know how to approach it how we're how we're out of our way when everybody gets their job done when we step into our role we're the, we're the professional on our job and we're able to safely clear the scene so that we aren't in anybody's way and we're not going to cause another wreck as well as not get in a collision get compromised ourselves so as far as being first responders from that point, we're absolutely first responders. And and they all – and today um, law enforcement and fire and ADOT are completely recognize that. They've they've evolved over the, over time that I've been doing this. They've evol- It has evolved into a much more cohesive and very cooperative um, ag- agreement between providers so that we all – so that we all get our job done and everybody gets it done correctly. We're very efficient about how we how we move – um, through a scene and get it get it handled. So that and that's that's one of the things that's really really good. I really enjoy that because um, getting onto a scene and getting into an argument is just completely pointless and it has no bearing whatsoever. We're not there. We're there to perform a task and we need to get on with it. So so it'd be safe to say that today the the, the uh, relationship is more cohesive. There's a better understanding of the different apparatus that may show up to a scene to make sure that that scene is is cleared up quickly safely and we can get traffic open back flowing correct correct because because you can t- because what happens is so for example yesterday there was a, a truck that caught on fire on i-10 it was eastbound i-10 about just past orange grove the backup was like six miles so of course you're going to work and you have exactly the schedule you have just like you're gonna go to the u of a today you have correct. a schedule you have you know exactly where you're gonna be and boom you now you're now in this situation where there's the traffic comes to a dead stop and or it's going one mile an hour, that adds an incredible amount of frustration to the layperson like yourself um, of driving and you're and what you want to do is now you're you're trying to figure out how to, how to get around it. You're cutting in and out of lanes. You're weaving in and out of traffic. Uh, you're trying to take an exit ramp, thinking I can get around them. So all of those situations just are invitations for another another incident another incident to occur. So when we're out on the scene, on all of us, this means all the providers, law, for, law enforcement, fire, EMT, tow, um, ADOT, we're, our goal is to get that move so that, so, that your, so that your inconvenience is less because your inconvenience can cause another incident. And it could be a, it could be a simple fender bender incident or it could be a fatal incident. And we don't want those because we don't have to go back to another incident to try and see something because if you're ever out on the street and you see somebody that's injured it's really it's very 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 difficult to handle it's very very challenging so so in another thing that uh, i've often noticed is that people don't understand what those flashing yellow lights or red and blue lights you know uh, a car, car these emergency um, members are on the side of the road and, and it's it's got to be frustrating for you you know, you talked about you want to make sure we all get home safe, but more importantly, we've got an operator on the side of the road, yellow lights flashing, bed of the truck is down, he's trying to do his job, and his workplace is totally different than the average person going up and down I-10 or Speedway or Broadway. So so what what do you want the, our listeners to know uh, and understand when it comes to those scenarios, those situations? Excellent, excellent point. You know, you you um, you touch on a real something that's really interesting. When you're driving a car at 75 miles an hour, you don't realize you're moving 75 miles an hour because you're moving with the car at 75 miles an hour. You're just going down the road. And the only reference point that you have of moving 75 is your speedometer or looking at a wall on the side, watching the, the wall go by, correct? 
and that that doesn't it doesn't seem very it doesn't seem like you're moving very quick if you're on the side of the road and the traffic's flowing by you 75 is an incredibly fast speed it is wind the just sheer wind that comes up from from moving trucks or moving cars is is very powerful so when we're on the side of the road with flashing lights and which you're supposed to move over and it is a law that you're supposed to move over or slow down or move over to to give a give something somebody uh, room to work uh, the um you don't understand how how much how how much how well let's see, let me put it like this you don't when you're driving you don't understand how dangerous it is to be standing there with with traffic flowing by at that rate and it could be just us working a, a simple your car broke down your daughter's car broke down on the side of the freeway and you need to get you call us you need to get it towed you call whoever AAA let's say you're calling you have a motor club you call AAA they're the predominant ones in the country uh, th- they send somebody out they get it towed the guys out there just trying to get the trying to get the vehicle off the road and trying to get your daughter home so you know because because unless unless you're driving out there to get her she's still there with the car and unless somebody come magically drives up there and, and picks her up she's still with the car so she, so not only us but the 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 vehicle operator or any passengers with the vehicle are now st- on the side of the road waiting as well so when you're driving by at 75 you want to think about okay hey that's uh, um what what could go wrong and then it could be just a car that was say it was a car that was disabled um, or in a collision and it's on the side of the road I will bet that if you're driving down the road and you see a pothole you will go out of your way to avoid it am I right that is correct so you nobody wants to drive through a pothole one but it's uncomfortable you're, you're gonna be set you're gonna be thrown <laughs> out of your chair right right two you probably could wreck your car you could damage your car so as you're driving along and you see the disabled car on the side of the road think of it as a pothole you don't know what's going to happen. What if what if that car on the side of the road suddenly catches on fire and you're now driving through that? Well, if you move over, what what allows is at least you have 12 or 25 feet that you're over that at least you can avoid that situation. You never want to put yourself in that situation. So the reason why the rule exists of moving over or slowing down because if if a car was to suddenly catch on fire, you, you, I guarantee you. It would be the, one of the most horrific events you could ever experience because you're going to see the car 13 seconds before you get to it. You're moving 75 miles an hour. You see the car. You you go 13 seconds. You pass the car and you're gone. But if in that time frame, because you don't know anything about the car, I don't know anything about the car, something could go wrong with the car. Well, I mean, electric cars they they catch on fire after being in a collision and just and nobody even knows. You know, just it's just a delayed reaction. Cars, gas cars, you know, could have a fuel leak, and all of a sudden, boom, it catches on fire. So you don't know what's going to take place. You don't know if somebody's going to – could be on the road and could enter back into the into the lane of traffic. You know, for example, say the guy pulled over. He got out to check his tire. He thought it was low. His little tire light came on. He got it low. He put out his little gauge up. It's okay. He gets back onto the freeway. He doesn't even see you, and now all of a sudden you have a crash. So the, the trick would be is to, you know – that that's why the move over rule works. So, and, and how long has that that law been in place in Arizona? And, and can you tell me a little bit about how it got started, possibly? So the move over rule has been around for, I want to say, f- four years. It's it's always been a a common courtesy thing. It's always been um, a requirement for law enforcement for many years. But it expanded to 
it expanded to um, anybody who has their flashing vehicle uh, vehicle on the road with flashing lights. So if your car is broke down and you have your turn your flashers on, you're, I'm supposed to move over. That's what it does. It doesn't have to be a tow truck. doesn't have to be a DOT truck. Anybody with lights flashing means you need to move over. Okay. So, and it's been around for a while. Um, it, it got it. What happens is, is the reason why it has um, expanded to where it is today is because we, the um, law enforcement and agencies were seeing increased uh, increased deaths with service providers on the roadway. So those highway workers, tow truck drivers, even law enforcement, they're seeing ex- um, more more fatalities that are occurring. And and we see that they happen every single day. So what what happened was somebody said, hey, you know, if we if we can, if we have a way to uh, a procedure that somebody is required to to give somebody some room to work or another, excuse me, another vehicle area to go go through without you know giving them some room to to enter a, into a new into the roadway, then um, maybe we can save somebody's life. And that's surely why it's around. So. And, and it always goes back to. Not only reminding us of Super Safe Saturday, but just being more uh, cognizant of your surroundings and what's going on and what those lights mean. Those lights aren't just on those vehicles for any other reason. They're most of the time yellow signifies caution, right? Yellow uh, signifies caution. Know, red and blue signifies emergency vehicles. Emergency vehicles. And yeah. it never fails. You know, after spending the last couple of years uh, in a consulting role with uh, some of the operating uh, tow operators that I've got to uh, spend time with. I, I watch these things occur, and I watch people just totally just have a reckless regard for those people outside of the road. Law enforcement, EMTs, ADOT, you know, my da- you know, the signs that say my daddy works here. You would think that that would tell someone, hey, would you want someone <laughs> – let's, let's just be honest. Would you want someone bringing a car 75 miles an hour down one of these beautiful offices downtown um, because someone isn't paying attention? Right, exactly. Would, would you want somebody driving 30 miles an hour through the parking lot? Through the parking lot. You, if if you saw somebody at your work driving 30 miles an hour through your parking lot and you were stepping off the sidewalk to your car, you would be horrified. Right. Even if they were driving 20 or 30 miles an hour, and you'd be like, why are they driving 30 miles an hour through a parking lot? So basically we're talking about a work area where there's 75-mile-an-hour zone. Correct. So, and it's it's um, it's challenging, and you're right. The the any lights, any flashing lights, and it could be red flashing lights. You know, um, cars have, you know, Trucks have red flashing lights. If trucks break down all the time, you see them on the side of the road. You know, I, I love the uh, statement you made earlier. It used to be common courtesy. Used to be common courtesy. It used to be common courtesy. And today, now, you and I have to have a conversation about the incidents that occur, fatalities. Uh, you know, it's almost like a workplace violence. Work. <laughs> yeah, it is kind of. It is kind of so. work, workplace violence. Where and you know, and and you have to understand that when you're out there. Anybody that's working, even if you're just trying to change your tire on the side of the road, that's why I tell people, you know, don't do it on the side of the road. And I talk talk about this with Jerry all the time. Don't do this on the side of the road. You know, if you can get it, if you can move it to a ramp where there's more room, it'll be okay. You know, the argument is, well, I'm going to damage the tire. You know, the the tire is probably going to be damaged already. You're probably already beyond that point. The um, you know even if you even if you drove a half a mile and and you destroyed your rim, you know I, I understand that that's a cost, but in the grand scheme of things, which would you rather buy a, a new a new rim a new aluminum rim for your truck or you know a uh, uh, whole, whole bunch of hospital bills? Correct. So that's that's the only thing, and and it's 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 
like I said, our job is interesting. It just, um, you know, we um, go through a lot of challenges, and we deal with a lot of challenges like the, the, the U of A homecoming. It's like the U of A homecoming, <laughs> correct. So don't forget, folks, uh, you can call in at any time at 520-719-1490. There is no topic that is, I guess, off the table. No Jim topic off the table today, yes. We'll try and answer any of your questions that you may have. It is the Jerry's uh, Car Care Show. And so we do our best to talk about automotive issues, but uh, from time to time uh, we we venture off to places that we didn't even think we were going to get to. So we'll <laughs> we, do we our best to kind of come back. So, well, that's why it's a, that's why it's an open phones weekend. So we yeah. we get it, and and since I get to do this, and this is my first time, you know, I I get a I get a much wider realm of, of right, right, topics. There's bigger expanse. I get a bigger expanse. <laughs> yes, today. So okay. So so my next question for you is: We've talked a little bit about. Uh, Move over. We've talked a little bit about the towing industry. What what is the state of the towing and recovery industry today? What what uh, you know? We talk a lot about uh, the evolution of the automobile and the changes that are happening. You mentioned the electric cars. We talk about hybrid vehicles. But but what is the state of the towing industry? And and um, what what does it look like? Not only what maybe some of the things you've seen in the past, but what does it look like moving forward? So towing is 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 a a very um, mechanical involved industry it's not going to be automated on any time soon that i could foresee um changes in in towing equipment and towing apparatus have changed over have evolved over time um there it's um there used to be old school stuff we used to tow cars with steel bumpers and and on trucks with with slings and we don't do that anymore because cars don't have steel bumpers Cars have plastic bumpers and and sensors, pa- you know, passive um, radar on the front. They have cameras on the front. So, towing towing a car is more much more challenging um, due to the fact that um, your the ability to tow and recover um, a vehicle has a lot less places. In fact, it's it's funny you say that because uh, I, we notice on on newer Ford model cars. They don't have transporter hooks, so the years ago, folks, they the the um, cars came out with what they would call a T slot, and actually, it's a hole in the frame that transporters used. And that's why they call it a T slot, transporter slot. And the transporter would put a chain in there and chain it down. Well, today they don't do that; they use straps over the wheels. So those those holes, because it's a mechanical process in the in the manufacturing, have been eliminated. It's one less thing they have to do. So those spots are now gone. We can't use those anymore. We have to use straps over the wheels. That used to not be the case. We used to use, you know, it was forever, you know, you chain down the chain down the car and and it was good to go. Nope. Now you have to put straps over the wheels and that's the only part you can touch because you don't know because everything is so on a car, it's very we're geared towards very strong but lightweight vehicles. So um a tow truck can can be hard on a vehicle if you don't know what you're doing. So the the state of towing has progressed from simply a, you know a guy that used to ride around in a truck to a technician, almost a technician level with uh, with uh, communications, GPS, um, and and um, sophisticated knowledge of your vehicle and what and what you need to and what needs to happen to get it from the breakdown point to the shop or to your home or wherever it is you want to go. Or if, or if you are, you know, we this actually occurs for us, and it actually will probably occur tonight. 
Um, if you decide that you're going to drive to a location and then you uh, partake in a lot of fun and decide that you don't want to drive home, which is the smart move, we'll, we tow the vehicle home for you. There's nothing wrong with the car other than the driver. The driver made a, con a, a good, conscious decision that driving home was a very bad decision, would be a dumb driving move, so he opted to have the vehicle towed. So it happens, and all of, all of us in the tow industry um, basically um, uh, understand that we're going to get that type of person. And, and we deal with them. It's Sometimes they're a little more challenging than, than, than not, but we understand that that person actually made a good decision to not drive home. So we're there to get it and and tow his his perfectly good running vehicle. We'll be in his driveway in the morning when he gets up on Monday. He can go to work and everything will Safe be fine. Safe and sound vehicle. Safe and sound vehicle. Fine. Yeah. So, okay. So, so in my understanding of, of working with Frontier Towing is that Frontier Towing doesn't just limit themselves to moving vehicles. They do a number of different things, and I think you and I made a conversation. You know, there's critical logistics movements. There's asset management. So tell us a little bit about what Frontier has the ability to do that a lot of people who maybe have never had the experience uh, using a tow operator uh, can do. So so towing vehicles, so tow guys and are, are ba basically – uh, a tow truck is a very specialized piece of equipment that can perform many tasks. Um, and because we're experts in our industry, and most people that do this are, um, we, we equate ourselves sometimes to um, custom critical specialized logistics. So what does that mean? What does custom critical mean? Well, custom critical means when you pick up the phone, call and say, I need it right now, that's what we do. Because... If you call up, your daughter calls up and says, hey, I'm broke down the side of the road. You don't say, well, I'll be there on, on next Wednesday between 8 and 11, right? That won't work. That won't work, <laughs> yeah. You'll be like, well, no, what, what am I supposed to do for the next five days? Um, well, I, I don't know, sir. I, you're scheduled for Wednesday between 8 and 11, yeah. That, that's, not a, that's not a provision that, that we're allowed to have. Those are not the working parameters that we get to work in. So when you pick up the phone, it's, okay, yes, we I know where you're at. I figured out where you're at. You've given me the best directions you can, and we'll be there in 30 or 45 minutes. You know, if you're far away, it might take longer just because it takes time to drive. And although we work with first responders, again, we're not allowed to drive Mach 7 down the road. So we have to drive just like you, a normal person, obeying all the speed and traffic rules. So sometimes if there's a traffic slowdown and you think it takes us longer to get to you than it, what you think it should, remember, we have to, we're driving a truck that has to go through town. So what that equates to is when um, companies call us for other industries call us for for asset management, and by the way, your car is probably one of your largest assets. You figure that today a new car is probably every bit of forty, fifty thousand dollars. And remember, you're driving a computer. Driving a computer, <laughs> yeah. You're driving a computer that is that is you know forty thousand dollars, fifty thousand dollars, a sizable purchase, not not something to be taken lightly. So. As you're moving a significant asset, and, and it could be more. You know, if you're if you're talking about a high end car, it could be two hundred thousand. So, you know, if cars are cars, even what is it? A, the the Ford pickup trucks or the, the Grand Wagoneer? The Grand Wagoneer is one hundred and ten thousand dollars. Yeah, the the new Jeep. The uh, new Jeep SUV, Grand Wagoneer, one hundred and ten thousand yeah. dollars. That's that is a sizable asset. That is a you know that's a very sizable asset that we're trying to move around for you. 
So other companies call us and and we provide that custom critical service because we're able to respond quickly because, well, that's what towing guys do. Uh, So we move all kinds of weird things, tanks, water tanks, fuel tanks. We move, uh, we move, um, uh, I've moved airplanes. I've moved, uh, I've moved, um, Oh, let me think here. Off the, I've moved. We've moved. We we move a ton of motorcycles. We have specialized equipment for motorcycle towing, which are in the twenty five thousand dollar range. That you would think, wow, a twenty five thousand dollar motorcycle, yeah, or thirty thousand dollar motorcycle. Uh, toolboxes. Uh, we move all kinds of um, and regular, just you know, trucks and truck equipment. Loaders. You know, if somebody needs a, a loader from one job site to another, uh, that's the kind of stuff we move. But there are companies that call us that need. They'll have, uh, for example, they'll have um, water reclamation, and uh, like when it rains, and they they need they need pumps to pump some stuff, some water out of a out of an area, so to avoid a flood, and you know, so they'll need it immediately. So they call us, and we haul these pumps. You know, and they they could be as big as a semi trailer or generators. You know, generators are the size of a tractor trailer. We'll transport because you need immediate power someplace. So we'll. They'll call us. We'll pick up. We'll go tow. We'll go tow or transport these okay. gensets from wherever that is to another to a to a point. So so uh, a business can have continual power, or they can have you know uh, not be flooded. Or th- there's all kinds of things that go. I mean, I can't even imagine what it's like in Florida right now. So, so I would imagine that you have to have specialized equipment. And I think you were telling me a little bit about that. I've had the opportunity to spend some time with uh, with you, and uh, you have to have specialized equipment to do these things. Specialized equipment is required, yes. So, so custom critical. Custom critical. Customer service focused. Customer service focused, focused yeah. Right. You can't, yeah. You can't tell the guy, I'll be there in a week between 8 and 4. That's not, that that's, that's not the customer service I'm I looking for. I experienced that this week <laughs> on two occasions. Uh, we'll be there between the hours of 8 and 12, and, uh, and, and I'm, I'm at the mercy because I need the service. Correct? I need the service. <laughs> I'm at their mercy, and now my, my time is locked. For for and if you you know if you wait for a tow truck you're you're counting the seconds you know so which I understand makes yeah. sense especially in the Arizona heat we talked a little bit about the the Arizona heat and uh, cars cars break down more probably because of the heat and now we're going into the temperatures where it's getting cooler so that customer customer critical response and that logistics management and and just the knowledge and being aware that Frontier Towing not only can move a personal vehicle but they move equipment that could sometimes eclipse a million. You know, million and a half dollars worth of oh yeah. There's it's it's, it's 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 you know if you're moving um, containers with we've moved con, con, moved containers full of computer equipment for the military that have you know that pork with the drone program or you know you're talking about stuff that you never X-ray equipment you know there's they have all this type of X-ray equipment that they X-ray cars for to make sure that you're not transporting something properly and that's highly expensive material. Of course, it's not, you know, I, like I said, I've done planes off the airport, and I've done planes in the middle of town, and I've done recoveries down on the border. And it's probably not the weirdest thing I've ever done, you know. It's, uh, but they... Um, okay, it, so 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 you, you, you broached it, so I'm going to ask you, what what is the, you know, I might say the coolest, but you may say the most difficult or, or maybe the most uh, unique. Uh, what, what's the most unique recovery um 
experience you've had or tow experience? Is there anything that really just, you know, the, the, the stories maybe when you go and you speak to the different groups that you speak to around the around the city <laughs> at different times, you might say, oh, because that question always, I'm sure, comes up. What's the coolest or neatest or most unique experience you've had uh, in, in, what, in the 30 years you've operated? Well, there's 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 quite a few interesting, interesting topics. I mean, so, I mean, there, people have different, different um, uh, ideas of cool. I've done plenty of recoveries off the sides of mountains with, you know, cars that have rolled or trucks that have rolled or equipment that's rolled. I've done recoveries off the border wall. I've been to the border wall when it wasn't even a border. There wasn't even a border wall there. It was just some, just a fence. Um, and get in with the AK fire over top of our head. I've had, uh, I've done airplanes, like I said, down the middle of the down the middle of the street for TPD. That guys, the cars that are in ditches that, you know, absolutely the, the way it got there was the most hilarious thing you've ever heard of. But probably the most unique, the new, most unique job I ever did, and, and I actually did this one, um, was um, the rhinoceros. Uh, actually, there was a pair of oh, rhinoceros. Stop. Just, did you just say a pair of rhinoceros? A pair of rhinoceros. A pair of rhinoceros. Rhinoceros. Like a, sounds, like a, sounds like a punchline to a joke. Yeah, I know. Doesn't it, though? <laughs> guy walks in with a pair of rhinoceros. <laughs> right. <laughs> the guy walks in with a pair. So, so yeah, I got this phone call. This was a while ago. I got this phone call from the U of A. Uh, not was U of A. I'm sorry. It was um, uh, the, the zoo, the Repark Zoo. And because we we move uh, equipment for the city of Tucson, we move all – so we move all the cop cars and all the ambulances and all the SunTran buses and all the fire trucks. When the fire truck breaks down, they have to call us to get it moved. So – and all the all the water trucks and all the graders and all the parks and recs. So um, all the little mowers. So all the, the – this guy calls, and he was with the zoo and says, hey, can you meet me at the zoo – one day, uh, I want to talk to you about a project we have. So I'm like, yeah, sure. So we schedule a time. I go out there. And he takes me out to the rhinoceros enclosure. And at the time, it's changed. But at the time, it was, and if you've ever been to the zoo, it's where the little the gates are. You go about uh, 40 feet up. And where there's birds on, there used to be birds on one side. And um, the, where it's like the turnstiles are there in the little concrete area, and off to the off to this side. So, so for some of our listeners, a turnstile is what, Jim? The turnstile <laughs> is, the little, is, is the little thing you go through that won't let you back up. Gotcha. <laughs> you, you go through it. It's got the bars, and you could go through, but you can't back can't, up. Yeah, I remember those. I used to get stuck in those. You, know? <laughs> yeah, you ah. get stuck in those. Yeah. So we we I go there to meet him, and he's like, "Okay, hey, we got this. We're doing this project. We're building a new rhinoceros uh, habitat." I'm like, "Okay." Sitting there thinking, um, not not sure where you're going with this guy, but help me out. So he's like, okay, so what we have is we have two rhinoceroses. They weigh about 6,000 pounds each, and we're going to move them from this location to across the way there. And it was about literally, as the crow flies, it was probably about 300 feet. As the truck goes, it's a quarter of a mile. So I was like, I'm looking at this uh, enclosure, and it's, you know, uh, basically, pretty much a concrete wall. It's about five feet thick, you know. And it's about four feet high, and and you can see in there, and you can see the rhinoceroses. I'm sitting there looking at it, going, "Huh, pretty interesting." Quick question: How how did they get here? And the guy goes, "Oh, good, good question. Well, they were born here." <laughs> okay, so you haven't moved them before? No, sir, we have not. Okay. So so tell me tell me your rundown what you think tell me how you think you're going to get these transported. And by the way, why don't you just cut a hole in the wall and send them over to the other to the other area? 
And he's like, well, we thought about that, but if the, for some reason, if they get out, we can't corral them. Okay. So pretty much it's a loose dog and it's gone. You're never, you're not going to get it back. Nope. So we can't take that chance. So we're talking about it. two 6,000-pound armored Each. cars. Yeah, 6,000-pound armored cars. Lost on, on the campus of the zoo. Yeah. Okay. That, 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 are, that moving, that yeah. Move. That move. <laughs> with horns. <laughs> so... So we're, we're sitting there looking at this, and so he gives me his rundown, and basically what he's going to do, he's going to build a big crate that's um, looks. imagine a horse trailer. If, you, if any of you guys do horses, it's, imagine a horse trailer. They're going to build a horse trailer on the ground with no wheels, right? So they're going to build this big box, and it's pretty much, uh, um, I mean, it was ginormous, folks. I it was, It's very hard to explain, but imagine, you know, the biggest tubing you can imagine with, with bars that are, Five inches in diameter, um, so that they could once they got them in there, they could they could pin them in. You know, it's not like you can just close a gate, folks. You know, th- this is we're talking about heavy duty stuff and on bearings, and they went to this huge uh, elaborate um, expense to so they could safely transport these animals. Because I was like, I was like, well, why don't we why don't we use um, why don't we um, you know, I've done horses. Why don't why don't we use some some uh, sedative? And he's like, well, that's great. Then what do I do? Now I've got 6,000 pounds of dead weight on the ground and no way to move it. Okay, makes sense. So they came up with this elaborate enclosure design, and they made two of them. So um, they spent about, I don't know, six or seven months training the rhinoceros. And and this is what blew me away. They're training a rhinoceros to go in and out of the crate, right? How do you train a rhinoceros? Okay. You, it's not like a dog. You don't hold a dog biscuit in front of right. it and hope it goes in, okay. right? Well, I, they, somehow they trained them, and they were able to get them, to coax them in and out of, of these enclosures. Okay. So, so let me paint the picture for our listeners at home. So right now i got a Jurassic Park thing going on in my mind right now, <laughs> right? I'm thinking, okay, so now I've got uh, – and I would imagine that this this caging that you're building can't be, you know, you're talking about a horse trailer, and we both know that horses are pretty docile once you get them in there. And we're talking about aluminum and, and, and different, and, you know, totally different apparatus. But right now you're talking about a cage that has to be built. And then on top of the cage. Oh, by the way, the cage weighs 6,000 pounds on its own. So we're talking own. about 12,000 pounds. But, but I've got to now teach this animal who's not used to going in and out of this cage how. Or probably not used to being trained. Okay. So, so okay. <laughs> so, I, I've got a pretty vivid picture. So, okay. so these. So, I'm, I'm thinking chaos and calamity at this point. So these guys. So the, so the two guys. I, I, and I don't know. I wasn't there for the training process. The, their team, amazingly, were able to load these animals into the into the okay, so uh, we've into got them loaded enclosures in. okay, into these and, enclosures. and then they put then they put rails behind them okay. these five inch diameter steel tubes or steel bars behind them so they couldn't back up so now the animals in there in a fairly secure area that that's that they can um that they know they're not going to okay. fall over tip okay. over fair yeah. enough so okay so the day comes we're there, and I, I think I started at like now four thirty in the morning when I got up for this show. So, so we're there, and I'm there with a truck, and I take a truck that I, I know I don't have to do loading per se, but I have to I have to have a truck small enough to fit, but where they were where they were going to work in relationship to um, what I can hold. So you know, remember, we got to hold twelve thousand pounds. So um, I have a tow truck in there. That's a medium duty flatbed style tow truck. And we get there, 
And it's me and TEP had actually showed up with one of their 25,000-pound forklifts to— So this was a collaborative effort. A collaborative effort. At this point, you've reached out to some of your other contacts. You said, hey, here's what I need. And so the equipment shows up. So I got the flatbed, medium-duty tow truck. I got two— Tucson Electric Power with with their big truck. (laughs) And they got—and it wasn't like they were going to—they didn't want a crane. I asked them why they didn't do a crane, and they were afraid that the swinging motion— would be too unsettling for the animal. So, so now we're concerned about the unsettling of an animal that well, gets stuck in a six thousand pound. Think of this. Okay. So this is what the crane guy told me. He goes, if you have a, when you pick up a solid object, it will swing. You know, like a pendulum, right? right? If you get something in there that wants to move, now you have an oscillating motion in so, so it, spinning, it, spinning motion. motion. Okay. He goes, and we can't control it because now we're going because we're trying to pick it. Because you or I aren't running up trying to catch it. Right. right. You're not going to put. You're not going to put your hands on it and be able to stop this okay. thing. And so I'm like, okay. So they came up with the forklift idea. So the so the the, the day comes and and we're there and we're and, and did, did they close the park? Because I would imagine that you well closed we start, the park, right? Did you close the park? No, to, to well, it was four thirty in the morning. Okay, so we're four thirty. We, we're thinking because oh, it's probably going to take you thirty minutes. Right? Uh, okay, I got okay, it. Okay, yeah, okay. it's going to yeah, it's, it's going to take, take it's going to take the park opens at the same at the right time at nine, at at nine o'clock. Yeah. Okay, perfect. The okay. park opens. We're gonna it's going to take. Uh, no time at all. You know, this is going to, we've done this. It's going to take us an hour. I mean, we're going to, it's oh. going to take us an hour to got do this. Down. We got it nailed down. Everybody drink. in there. Let's do yep. it. Done. Okay. Yeah. We can, we can, we got them in there. Boom, boom, boom. Everything's going to go just like, you know, a just smooth as glass. A, a watch that doesn't work today. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know? So, so imagine your Swiss watch not working Swissly. Uh, so, the, so they get, we get there and we're waiting and they can't get the animals to load. Cause they Wait, gotta, hold on. You told me. Six to seven months of training. Right? Six to seven months right, of training, okay, so. and so they can't get them to load. They have to get, and by the way, they have to get the pair in together. They are always, and they're in two separate units, but they have to load them together because if if they if the animals once the animals are separated, since they've never been separated. They were. They get very. They get right, agitated. Agitated. Yeah, exactly. Thank like, you. Like driving through traffic or hitting a pothole. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so they I get agitated rhinoceros. Very. And imagine okay. agitating a six thousand pound rhinoceros. Wow. <laughs> I would want to do that. So they we get they're they're messing around and and it's it's four thirty. It's five thirty. It's six thirty. It's seven thirty, and they're like, you know, we're gonna call it for the day. We're just gonna call it. We're we're not gonna do it. And then it's like seven thirty. They're just about ready to get done. Like, oh wait, we got them in. So now it's seven thirty in the morning. So the forklift guys go, the TP guys go in. They got their animals set. They go in. They have steel plates down where they're going to work. Big steel plates, and we're talking about road plates that are you know two inches thick, down to create a, a path where they can put this big forklift. They get set. I back in on this, and literally it's a it's a freaking goat path. It's it's a, literally the width of a guard of a golf cart, like seven and a half feet. So I'm hanging off each side. The guy gets in. He gets the, he starts to get in with the forklift to get pick up and get stuck. So now the forklift's stuck. I'm like, awesome. But hey, you have a tow truck there. <laughs> so right? yeah. So, so now, so they're like, well, what do we do? So the forklift guy's like, I, I don't know. I'm stuck. He's the wheels are just spinning. He can't move. And he's like, great. So I'm like, okay. Well, here, let me try. And so I, I move out of where I'm at and I turn around. I drive in. I get out my 
my I put my bed down and I get out my snatch block and my my winch cable and I winch the guy out of the out of his hole so he can move back and forth. So he he now gets realigned and gets it gets where he needs to pick up. Now I have to back back out of where I'm at, turn around, put everything back. And together. I wouldn't imagine that uh, a tow truck that size of equipment probably wasn't like moving a little. A uh, uh, you go or no? You know, good, <laughs> excellent point. Yeah, it wasn't like I could just spin this thing around, you know, and in on a dime. It you know, turning it around was you know a two thousand point turn, up an inch, back an inch, up an inch. So, I'm, so I finally get it turned around twice. Uh, get back. Is to there the, any video evidence of any of this? <laughs> you know, there there was. They the I think the 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 cable guys were out there. The the zoo guys out there. I never saw it, but I know they were out there because I the so camera probably guys somewhere. From, there's a VHS tape. Someone's <laughs> dusted off. It's a eight it's a It's eight millimeter video. <laughs> oh, even better. Well, the reason why I know they were out there is because they were trying to do this while I'm trying to move around. Say, hey, can you back up while I move? While I went just got out of the way, you know. So they're having to move their mics and their and their stuff out of the way. So when we get the guy out, he gets in there. I get back into where I need to get. They pick up the crate, you know, and of course, you know, what they thought was going to happen happened. So now we have agitated animal on our on our our uh, on our forks, and you can actually, you know, mind you, a twenty five thousand pound forklift weighs about fifty thousand pounds. Correct. And so he, he, you can actually see the forks moving because this this rhinoceros is shaking, you know. And and now we're going to pick it. We got to pick it up five feet off the ground to get on the tow truck, right? So they pick it up and back up. And swing around and, and do their 83-point turn and finally get it on the truck. Okay, so now they got on the truck and they're holding it there because the animals are moving. And you can and you can actually see the truck moving. Probably swaying back swaying. and forth. Swaying. Yeah. You can see the truck moving even with the even with the forklift still holding holding the unit, right? So we get out and I put straps on, you know, a bunch, a lot. <laughs> a lot of foreign straps. I mean, a lot. I would tell, you know, I'm strapping it down like there's nobody's business because I'm sitting there thinking. So I finally get the fork guy, guy out of the way. He he gets out of the way, and and the rhinoceros is not done yet. He's still he's still sure that what he's doing is he needs to be out of where he's yeah, at. Right. He, he's doing what a, a cage rhinoceros. Would he, do. he would be doing what somebody in a cage would do. Right. So he's beating against the walls. So, they, so as we're sitting there, you know, because they're 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 having me wait because they're hoping he, just him sitting will calm him down. And of course, you know, he's rocking back and forth. And I I swear I thought the truck was going to tip over because you know you figure you got this big weight on top and it's just swinging it back and forth. And and I we were watching. And I thought, oh my gosh, this is going to be bad. I just hoping that nothing goes wrong here. So we wait. You know, it's going to wait about thirty minutes. Finally, the animal calms down. Okay, so we so we we move out. We start to move, you know, and we're down the down the goat path, basically, the concrete goat path. We're we're moving out, and of course now we gotta we can't go out the turnstiles. We have to go out. There's an actually service gate there, the eighty three thousand point turn. You know, get turned around, go around, <laughs> go around, drive around the block, and come over to where their the new entrance is for the animals. So Did you actually have a police have, escort for that? No, no, didn't no, have no, one. I should have had one. Okay. No, no police escort. The um, the uh, but we get moved to where the the facilities and actually had created a what put like a loading dock so that they could an an uh, area where they could vet animals, a chute kind of like for cattle. But they could go in and work on you know vet animals, you know, have a securely and safely okay, for so, an animal. So, so we we got up to the new habitat. Oh, and I bet you they, the the rhinoceros just walked right out. Correct. Oh no, yeah, exactly. So we we get it. So we have to unstrap it and unload them and put them on the ground. So now I move out of the way. The the the, the and they're backwards. 
<laughs> they have to That's back. Right. They, they got to back, have to back, back out. Right. out. You know, so because the six to seven months they trained them also had to turn around. Go in, but they also trained about a, a ten, a, a forty thousand point turn in that little. <laughs> so, to get so, out. So right. They back out. They have to, yeah, so they okay. get them set on the ground. They get the procedure. They get them all ready to go. And you know what? They're not moving. He just sits there. And so they go in. They they poke and prod, and all of a sudden. You know, out launches like a like a Scud missile. <laughs> out, out they come, <laughs> out of the uh, out of the chute. Okay, they get him out. They get him in, and because they have a kind of like a crowler, he gets roped around, and they're like, "Okay, great." You know, all right. So we got him there. Now, now we got to check him. So they bring him back in. You know, they check him. They they gotta make sure there's no abrasions or cuts or anything that needs to be vetted. You know, because we're talking about an animal that's six thousand pounds that's in in a steel enclosure. Right. So, one down, one to go. So now, as as they put them in the enclosure, they they can't. The two rhinoceroses who've never been separated cannot see each other. So as they're looking, um, you know, they can hear each other, but they can't see each other. So they're calling to each other. So now, now the male, this was, this was the first one we moved, was just you know pretty much you know going around in circles trying to figure out where the female was. So they're like, okay, well, that, they kept a crew on him. And now we go back out, drive around the block, come back, and start this procedure over again. Now, now by now, the zoo is opening. So we're trying to back in with, you know. Oh, so, so now you've got an audience. Now we have an audience. Now you have an so audience. now we have an audience of, of people that are coming in, and we're trying to get in there. And, of course, you know, people are just like, oh, I'm going to the zoo, you know. I, I'm going to the zoo. So now we're, we're in there. We get back, I get backed in, you know, into the area. And it's a little bit easier this time because we have more room to work, a little bit more room to work. So the for- forklift guy gets in there. I start to get backed in there. Try and barricade it off so we don't get, you know, so we don't get the audience on top of Little us. Tommy running over there saying, "Oh, I want to pet the rhinoceros." Oh, well, it's and it's it's like, "Mommy, look at that. What's yeah. going on?" And you're right. There was an audience people standing around going, "What are these guys doing here?" you know. So, um so th- he he gets loaded up on the second go around, right? And again, you have to wait. You have to wait for about, you know, you got to wait for 30 minutes for everything to be calm. Does the pick Again, the eighty-three thousand point turn. You know, trying not trying to make sure that and and now because of, because there is an audience, it's super critical to make sure that nobody's running in and around you because people have this innate ability to just dart in yeah. places. And we're talking about you know a twenty-five thousand pound forklift that weighs fifty thousand pounds with twelve thousand pounds is five feet in the air. Yeah. You know, not 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 a just great a catastrophe. Situ- eight and a half. Yeah, not a great situation. I mean, we all all of us understood what was going on, so we were all working in a safe mode. We're all you know everybody's standing back, you know. So we get we get back to the truck, and of course now where I'm at isn't where I need to be because I can't get as close as I want to. So now I have to reposition so I can get lined with the forklift because the forklift can only turn such a certain way because you have to kind of turn the, the truck so you can get basically perpendicular. So that takes time. And I'm trying, of course, on the goat path, you know. I finally get that loaded down. So now we got to figure out how to back the forklift out of the way because it's jammed. So he has to shift back and forth finally after I get strapped. And now it's another 30 minutes of of trying to get, you know, this this animal calmed down. While the team was over on the other side um, looking, at, uh, looking at the, uh, um, you know, looking at the other animal. So we get that done, get it strapped. Now I've got to 
use traffic control to get out of the park while I'm trying to get out of the park. Because at this point, the, the park is open, so open for business. So we got people coming in. People coming trying... in. People rolling okay. around. Yeah. Finally get out. Get stretched. Get around the block. Get around the corner. Um, do the same procedure. They they isolate the one rhinoceros so they can so they can bring in the next one. Again, we go through the same process of um, setting it down, unloading it, and and getting it done. That took we were there till two o'clock in the afternoon. Wow, so, that's a pretty cool story. That's that was yeah. that was probably the most interesting that's I really ever did. Cool. I, I, and it's uh, interesting because uh, we talk about the uniqueness of uh, the industry that you're in. Some really cool stuff that you get to do and experience. And I, I do have a question for you. Do you remember the names of the rhinoceros? I do not remember the names. They they were unique names. Um, so, um, I but I be honest with you, I don't remember. I probably have it somewhere in my notes. We'll probably try and track those down. Maybe try, the try and track half of the that. Show. <laughs> maybe one of our callers will call in and maybe we'll give something away. Maybe I don't know a free tow or something. <laughs> for, for the, I was there that day. I was there that day. Yeah, it was kind of interesting. Anyways, uh, we're coming up to the top of the hour. Um, we're going to go for a, a quick break here for uh, station identification. Remember, uh, 719-520-719-1490 if you got any questions, guys. Uh, and uh, we'll be back in just about two minutes. 